Welcome to the Nonprofit Growth Show, presented by Nonprofit Megaphone, the podcast where we highlight nonprofit leaders in the trenches who share the strategies and tactics they use to grow their organizations and make a difference each day. As we like to say, if you want to be discouraged by a general sense of decay, read the news. But if you want to be inspired by concrete stories of growth, talk to a nonprofit. Here's to the modern day superheroes, the nonprofit leaders. Let's dive in. Hey, everyone. We're here with Rachel Chung. She's the Associate Director of Development at the Anti-Recidivism Coalition. Rachel, thank you so much for being here with us. Great. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. I am looking forward to this discussion. And um, as has become our sort of trademark here, I would love to jump right into the thick of a story that has happened sometime in your life as a nonprofit development professional. Is there a climatic or dramatic, uh, dramatic or exciting moment that you could share with us? Um, I think one of the most nerve-wracking and dramatic moments in my career, which is very specific to grant writing, so I think people who have ever written grants will definitely appreciate, um, but I don't know if you've ever tried writing a federal grant in a few days, but I would definitely categorize that as nerve-wracking and stressful. Wow. Um, there are many different moving parts, um, if you're familiar with the process from justifying much every line item on the budget to calculating poverty rates across individual census tracts. Um, and it wrote a fat 19-page narrative in about two days. Um, but thankfully, a few months later, we were notified that we were awarded this grant. And it was really huge news for my organization um, because it was our very first federal grant that we had received and also my very first that I'd received. Wow. Um, and uh, amazingly, it was able to fund our most expensive workforce development program for three and a half years. Um, so this is really exciting for our organization because on top of contributing pretty significantly to our financial sustainability, it also allowed us from a development perspective to tell our donors and our foundations that provided the seed funding um, for the program that their initial investments really paid off and that we were able to leverage their gifts to acquire public support. So it was really exciting news for us. Incredible. And what was the background? Why did you only have two days to do it? Was it just things were crazy and that was all the time that there was? Yeah. So at the time, um, I was the only grant writer at our organization. And so I had constant deadlines. um, And Our organization is about 30% of public funding, 30% foundations, and 30% individuals. So um, we weren't really focused on getting larger public grants just because of internal capacity. Um, So somebody sent us this and said, I think that you would be eligible. So had a really quick turnaround because I'm the only person at that that time working on um, grant writing. Just said, yes, let's add it to the list and busted out in a a week or so. Incredible. That is such a cool story and very exciting that you guys won. Congratulations. Um, I'd love to hear um, some about your background. Could you tell us the story of how you got to where you are today and doing the work that you're doing today? Sure. Um, My path to my current position has not been linear. So I actually studied environmental science and conservation biology at UCLA graduated in 2015. And during that time in college, I realized by the end of it that I didn't want to be a scientist working in a lab, um, which was my original plan. Um, Instead, I really 
wanted to work on the ground and in communities um, in a nonprofit. So after graduation, I ended up joining the Wishtoyo Chumash Foundation, which is a Native American and environmental justice organization out in Malibu um, as their education and development associate. So I came on mostly because of my science and marine science background. I was teaching educational programs and designing um, curriculum, as well as serving as their only development person. So I was kind of learning grant writing and fundraising on the go. And eventually, after a few years, I became the development director and um, focused most of my time on fundraising, major gifts, um, event planning, grant writing, reporting, kind of all of it. So it was really a one-stop development shop is what, how I like to describe it. Um, it's also doing all sorts of administrative and operations um, duties, filing our taxes, kind of everything. And most of that and everything that I did was self-taught. So eventually, I decided that I wanted to um, be able to learn from a larger organization. Um, my, so Wish Oil was about 10 employees at its peak when I left. Um, and now I'm in an organization that's about 65 employees and seven times the budget. Um, so I am able to work with a larger team now. Um, I came on as the grants and contracts manager and then moved up to my current position as associate director, where I now oversee the grants process and grants team, um, as well as working on individuals and major gifts, events, and communications. Really, really cool. That is a very, sounds like fun journey that you probably learned a lot that now you can deploy in your role today. I appreciate you sharing that. Um, is there a story that you could share about um, ARC that sort of crystallizes for you the difference that the organization is making? Sure. There's so many stories because we're really a storytelling based organization. Um, so just as background, ARC is a criminal justice reform nonprofit. We're tackling some really big issues um, like mass incarceration, sentencing reform in California, um, the recidivism crisis, the number of people that are returning to incarceration. Um, and we do this through a whole suite of innovative programming. We go back inside eight prisons in California. We do comprehensive reentry services like transitional housing, mental health. Um, out on the outside. And then we also are involved in policy advocacy um, and community organizing so that we can really move toward a more equitable justice system. Um, and because of that, we have so many members that we serve um, that are involved in our day-to-day operations. About 75% of our staff are formerly incarcerated or system impacted. So that way, people who are most impacted by the system um, and those voices are most amplified and our, our leadership is really informed by lived experience. Um, so I've learned so much. And one of my very first experiences, actually part of my interview process um, before I even accepted the job here, was to go into Corcoran State Prison, which is in Central California, um, to attend a concert. So Common, the rapper, if you're familiar, um, and his organization, Imagine Justice, partnered with ARC to host a um, full live concert inside one of the prison yards. Um, and this was my first time going back inside to a carceral facility. And it was really an eye-opening experience um, talking to people there, incarcerated men that were attending the concert, as well as staff um, from ARC to really understand why 
events like this are critical to people's rehabilitation and reintegration into the community. Um, Because I think for a lot of people on the outside who aren't familiar with the space, it's hard to understand why a successful musician would go back inside to a prison to uh, put on a big production and why people, um, why funders, why donors, why organizations would want to invest in this. Um, But it's really about humanizing people's experiences. It's about understanding that people inside have dignity. They need to be treated with respect, that they deserve opportunities to come home and contribute to their communities. And that experience is like a concert um, are treating people with the dignity that they deserve and the experiences that will help them, help motivate them to get back on their feet um, and return home. Um, So that was really a transformative experience for me just to get a peek into the work. Um, And it was right after that that I accepted the job. So cool. So that was actually part of the interview process. They said, come to this event and sort of see what we're all about. That's brilliant. That's so cool. Um, Are there tips or tricks or strategies that you could share that's been helpful to you in your fundraising or development work that you think might be useful for others to experiment with as well? Um, I think one interesting aspect of what I bring to the team is I have an interest in background in graphic design, something that I've just picked up along the way in my um, experiences in nonprofits. And I've found that creating really high quality, strong communications, whether printed or digital, is really helpful to effective fundraising. So my preferred format is a small booklet or brochure. Um, and I've created them for both my current organization and my last um, to kind of give a broad overview of the organization along with really strong visuals that can be handed out to individuals, um, whether for services or for donors or foundations. Um, and I, I like to think of the booklet as a high-level overview, especially because organizations like ARC cover so many different areas and programs. That when you hand an individual this booklet, they can look at it kind of like a menu um, and identify the different areas that they're connected to or that they're interested in. And then if it's a high quality item, they're more likely to keep it and come back to it in the future. So I've had really great success um, multiple times with um, handing out nice publications where people feel like you've kind of invested in something that you are giving them. Um, And we've actually had people come back into our office were given a booklet and not really told about our organization and found out about us through the printed materials. Really cool. That is awesome. And what a cool skill to be able to sort of have without needing to have someone else on the team do it, as I'm sure there there's lots of people that are doing a lot on the team already. That is really, really cool. Um, where does, you mentioned sort of um, different sources of support. Where do most new donors learn about the organization today? Are they seeing it through the website or online or through PR or uh, attending events? How does that usually look? For us, it's a mixture. Um, We are pretty lucky to be kind of embedded in the entertainment industry in Los Angeles. So our our main office is based in downtown LA. And the founder of our organization, Scott Budnick, who is no longer executive director, but now serves on our board, um, is most famous for being a producer of the Hangover movies. 
Um, and so that was his former Hollywood career before he decided to go into criminal justice reform and um, start ARC. But because of that, we have close ties to a lot of people in entertainment. Um, and we have a lot of PR and press and media exposure through that. So I think a lot of um, our new supporters come through hearing about us through the media. Um, I also think that it's just a very interesting time in the criminal justice reform space where um, people are talking about criminal justice reform and having these conversations on a much broader scale, um, whether it's about voting rights, whether it's Kim Kardashian tweeting about it. I think that people are really interested in learning about how mass incarceration can be fixed um, locally and on a national scale. So I think we we're always trying to take advantage of that situation and be a source of information for people, um, whether that's publishing op-eds, um, being involved in um, policy on local and state levels. Um, so I think there's a lot of different sources that people find ARC, but it's, it's generally through outreach and media. Got it. Got it. Very cool. We can now jump into our mock debate portion, which is always fun, um, typically for everyone except me because I usually lose. But uh, our question for today is around the notion of nonprofits launching e-commerce stores to sell merchandise as an additional fundraising venue. And the question is, is that a worthwhile investment? So Rachel, would you like to take the side that yes, it is or no, it is not? I believe that yes, it is a worthwhile investment for most organizations that have um, a strong outreach presence and a brand. Got it. Okay, perfect. Um, why don't you then make sort of an opening statement, which you've already begun to do, but uh, explaining the many virtues of e-commerce and merchandise stores, and then I'll attempt to rebut and we'll see where we go from there. Sure. Um, I am pro um, starting a merchandise or e-commerce store, or at least selling merchandise as an organization, um, because it is one of the easiest ways to um, spread your brand beyond the people that are already in your network of supporters. Um, especially here at ARC, we have such a strong brand presence. Um, we have a, a very um, recognizable t-shirt that all of our members and staff and allies wear um, to give public comments, to attend events. Um, and it's it's quite noticeable. And I think we get a lot of questions about where people can obtain one of these shirts. And so right now we are launching, launching our e-commerce store um, so that they will be available to our supporters in the public. Um, I think it's a very easy source of revenue um, because there are many different options for um, distribution and production right now. So you can do a print-on-demand option where you're not holding any inventory as an organization and you just get um, the revenue off the top. So whatever the margin is from the print cost to what you set the price as. So it's a very easy option for nonprofits to just have a steady, small stream of income on the side. But I really think that the larger benefit from this is branding and outreach. Brilliant. Okay, you preempted many of my counter arguments, which are going to be around cost and holding inventory. So well done there. Um, <laughs> wouldn't you say, though, that it um, has the potential to be a distraction and that it could take away from 
um, other development efforts, it probably won't be that significant of a source of funding. You're probably only, you know, getting a, a dollar or two for every shirt that's sold if you're doing something like print on demand. Wouldn't it be better if people just took that same money, donated it to the organization, and then the organization could do like even more because they're getting, you know, 10 or 20 times as much actual dollars? That is a really interesting conversation and one that we are having right now. But it's my belief that if your organization has the capacity to create a merchandise um, operation, then it's um, it's worthwhile, but not before having um, steady streams of income from other sources like foundations and individuals. So it's, it's kind of something that we're looking into now that we do have um, major guest programming and we have secured foundations. Um, so it's kind of an in addition to all of the other sources of revenue. Um, and my view on is the margins worth it um, is that we will have some donors that, yes, will decide, oh, I was going to give $25 as a gift and now I'm going to spend $25 on a t-shirt wherein ARC would only make $5 off of that gift. However, it's counterbalanced by people who would normally give $1,000 and now will give $1,000 plus buy a t-shirt because they are invested in the mission. Um, and I think that that balances out as far as um, how much money we're making or losing off t-shirts. Fair, fair. I love it. And I'll just say for the record that I do think it's an awesome idea and such a cool way to extend the brand and get more people involved in the mission. So we'll give you the victory there. That was great. great. <laughs> um, we can jump into some rapid fire questions. If you could describe yourself, Rachel, in one word, what would you say and why? I think I would say empathetic um, because that's really a driving factor in what I look for in my careers, my organizations and causes that I want to be involved in. Um, I'm very mission driven. Um, so I always want to know that I, my work is making a difference and giving back to the community. I love it. Is there an exciting shift that you're seeing taking place in the nonprofit world that you think is actually really positive? Yeah, I think that um, more young leaders in the nonprofit sector um, is really exciting. I think millennials and Gen Z um, nonprofit professionals are are bringing new ideas to the table, whether that's um, creative um, fundraising sources or communications tools like digital and social media um, or challenging just business as usual in the nonprofit sector, especially in fundraising. I think there are... Um, it's predominantly older generations that are, have been in fundraising for many years. So it's really exciting for me as a young person to meet with other young development professionals um, and think about exciting new ways that we can harness the power of our generation. Absolutely. And speaking of sort of relationships or other people that have been inspiring, have there been folks that you've learned from or been mentored by or been inspired by um, throughout your nonprofit development career that you kind of want to give a shout out to? Yeah. Um, right now, I am a part of the Young, Young Nonprofit Professionals Network of Los Angeles or YNPN. Um, and it's a pretty small group that is building out here in LA. Um, and I've been involved with them for a pretty short time, but it, it's incredibly inspiring to be 
around um, young people that are in programs, that are in development, that are in operations, that are also mission-driven and trying to um, better their organization's effectiveness. Um, I have also have been really inspired by my current supervisor, Patrick Saroy, who is our development director here at ARC. Um, I mentioned earlier that when I was development director at my last organization, I was primarily self-taught. I, I took a lot of webinars and online courses, um, but really nothing replaces having somebody with just a wealth of experience um, from their jobs um, like Patrick does. He just brings a lot of um, experience and wisdom in major gifts, um, and it's always a joy learning from him. And then lastly, um, I always look up to John Kobara, who's the COO at California Community Foundation. Um, I've spoken with him both in my current position at my last organization, um, which Joyo actually introduced me to him. And he also just has a wealth of knowledge about nonprofits in Southern California and California, um, always asks really tough questions about operations and financial sustainability. And I've learned a lot from him. I love it. Is there something that you understand now that you didn't appreciate to the same degree, maybe five or 10 years ago? I think the biggest thing is that there's no one right way to do anything, kind of no one size fits all approach. Um, and that's true for both my career and the way that I approach fundraising. Um, I actually never saw myself in development when I was going through college, but it feels like such a good fit for me now, um, combining my passions and my interests and my strengths. Um, and I think I... I would not have planned it this way, but um, your path kind of takes you wherever it takes you and creativity and flexibility and innovation are rewarded in this industry. Um, and that's the same for effective cultivation as well. Absolutely. That is such a good point. Um, great insight there. Thank you so much, Rachel, for taking the time to spend with us. Where can folks find you online if they want to learn more about you or if they want to learn more about ARC? Best way to find me is on LinkedIn. Um, my LinkedIn is linkedin.com backslash in backslash R-A-C-H-U-N-G. It's R-H-M. And you can um, find Anti-Recidivism Coalition online at www.antirecidivism.org. Perfect. Excellent. Thanks so much, Rachel. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for listening to the Nonprofit Growth Show presented by Nonprofit Megaphone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider sharing it with a friend or giving us a rating or review on your favorite podcast network. We appreciate your support. Until next time.